Hey everyone, this is Jacob from the future talking to you because I have an apology and my apology is that there is a hiss throughout this entire conversation. Now it's not too bad when we're speaking and whatnot, it kind of fades to the background, kind of like a fan noise, so to speak. It's not a fan noise, it's a technical glitch, but it uh, just kind of sits there. Usually I catch this stuff before we record and I did do an audio test as I usually do, but alas, this one, I guess, cropped up right bef- between the time that I checked it and then when we hit record on the actual episode and had our hour-long talk. So apologies if that ruins this episode. We will have another one up uh, shortly. Um, well, not shortly. It'll be the same time as always on Friday, but it is a great conversation. So hopefully you can make it through. If we do not, um, maybe we'll do something special for next episode. But I wanted to apologize just at the top of this, give you a fair warning. Um, like I said, it is worse in the gaps of us talking. It's definitely there. Um, so I get if this one is just uh, one you have to pass up. But hopefully you don't. Hopefully you can listen to it. And hopefully it's not too bad. Thank you in advance for still listening to Craft and Draft. All right. Go enjoy the episode. Jacob, I have a question for you. And that's only because we are on holiday. And I want to know, did you take one or have you been working the whole time? Because I know that you don't sit still. Uh, what have you, you know, been doing? I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, yeah, well, you've been off doing things, and yeah, I mean, I guess I've uh, I, people that have followed me know that I'm I'm a gamer, right? I spend I don't really watch movies or TV. I play games, right? So I've I've definitely put in a lot of hours into some games, playing some Animal Crossing, some Assassin's Creed Valhalla some Call of Duty, some Fortnite. I'm jumping all over the place because I'm a big dork like that. Um, But yeah, you know what? I've treated... So this last week, I would say it was pretty much a vacation. I only dabbled in a few things. I've been riding a little bit of craft and draft, but I'm still waiting for the... The book is a little different because we have clear sections where we want things to get done. So it's having to adjust because it's not really a chronological book necessarily it is by section but we're not attacking it chronologically so to speak right so that's taken me time to just adjust to the to get into the zone of where i wanted to be or whatever um did some podcasting last week i think i had five podcasts last week um which was super fun. So the answer is I did. I have been vacationing a little bit. I've been relaxing, but it's about to kick into high gear. Like a, once, like the week where we got one more week and then a few days and then we're basically back and I, I have some other things I want to get going. I'm actually planning to add more things to my list and I I'm, I'm, I don't even want to say what I'm planning on doing on here because I don't want it to be on record just in case I back out. But I have <laughs> an, I have a, afraid, another, are you? <laughs> yes. And that, that's the danger of this show specifically because it's not Teach Me Teacher is, so, you know, it's just me and someone else or another person and we just have a conversation. But it's so centered on them that it, a lot of my personal stuff doesn't come out unless I'm talking to someone who I genuinely like am friends with on the podcast. You and I are friends and we just literally talk and meander for an hour or 45 minutes or whatever <laughs> we want to do. So anything can come out of my mouth and it often does. So it's, it's, I, it's dangerous when you get 
uh, when I start thinking about all these projects and stuff. But I do have a few things. I'll probably talk to you off air out and see what you uh, what you think because I think it. I don't know, I think it might work. So anyway, that was a all that was right. a long way to say yes. I have vacationed mildly, but it's pretty much over for me. I'm working starting tomorrow. It is we're going full blast back into projects. All right. Well, with that, everybody, this is Craft and Draft, and that's the busy guide, Jacob Chastain, and this is just lollygagging Pam Ochoa taking all the breaks she can. <laughs> Anyway, so what are we talking about today, Jacob? Are we going to continue to meander? Oh, probably. I mean, this is definitely going to be an episode where we think through some stuff. I, you know, last year we did an episode um, around this time that was basically like your holiday shopping list. If people need, if people need to spend money, if they have Amazon cards or (laughs) uh, Barnes and Noble cards or whatever, have price books, we have a big list of books and those are all still great. uh, And you should go check out those, but it was basically books for teachers and all that. Um, Definitely a great buying list. We didn't want to do that this year. Um, So our idea for kind of the, when people hear this, when it goes live, it'll be the 31st. So people will be, it'll be right. Uh, no, it won't be the 31st. It'll be the first. Um, what? No, it'll be the 31st. It'll be New oh. Year's. Sorry. It'll be New Year's Eve when it drops. For some reason, I, I was thinking we publish on Saturdays, which is not true. Publish on Fridays. But uh, when people hear this, it'll be then. So it's kind of that New Year's Eve. It's the reflective process going through. So I figured it'd be nice to talk about craft and draft. How has it been working in our classrooms this year? What's going on and everything in between a nice fun, just re-examining things talk about what has maybe shifted and everything else in between. So whether you already use craft and draft or you just kind of hang out with us because you're a dork about workshop, just like us and teaching, uh, it should be a great conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. Oh, Righty, Miss Ochoa. I, 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 so here's one thing. I'm going to start right off the bat. I feel like my mic is a little, is a little high. I just turned it down a little bit. So if that affects the audio, I apologize, people. I shouldn't do that when I'm recording. But um, our, so I have my craft books from the last few years of doing this. And I always look at like the table of contents. And last year, uh, in seventh grade, I didn't hit a hundred mini lessons. Um, but I hit like 98, I think is how many mini lessons I had. It was really close. Uh, this year I have already, we've already hit, uh, 50. So half the year I hit 50. So I might do it, but I was asking myself, I was like, why am I doing more mini lessons? Like, I feel like I have done way more, uh, this year than previous. And I don't, I don't know why. Maybe I felt like they needed it. I th- I feel like I had some days last year where, uh, I, because I had the kids for two years, that there were some days where we like we would finish a unit early or kind of really close out and be like, all right, today's a read day, today's a ride day, and there'd be no mini lesson. I don't really have that luxury this year because my students, uh, there we're getting to where we can do that more, but. Uh, you know, it was a little dicey for a little bit. So I think it was, uh, I think it was out of necessity. I don't know. I, 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 do you feel like you're like, you've been focusing more on doing, I know you don't do as many lessons as me, uh, just because of the way you structure your class differently, but do you feel like you're, 
you have a, a more intense focus on lessons or I don't know. I mean, how are you feeling with all of that? That was just something I noticed and I wanted to bring that up. Well, honestly, I, I'm being here, I feel like I'm more in charge this year than I have been the last two years of my many lessons because uh, I was in more of a restrictive environment where I had to try to figure out how to do other people's mini lessons because they all wanted us to do the same ones on the same day. So um, I can't gauge it kind of like you uh, since we started this, you know what I mean? So it's been a little bit different, but uh, don't, I haven't done 50. I've done half of what you've done. So now I'm wondering, what am I doing? Maybe I'm not teaching. <laughs> no, I just, I'm already, it, I'm already nervous. <laughs> it's just the day to day, right? We've talked about this. It's just the difference yeah. in structure. And I think it's important. I, I know we hit it on a lot, but you know, your sometimes your lesson, like you'll, you do something like for a few days, often you'll take a lesson and kind of go here and that, and you'll go back into it and you'll really kind of flesh it out. And I'm like ADD with lessons. Sometimes it feels like our, as our partner says, she goes, Chastain, not every lesson needs to be a sprint. <laughs> so Right. I'm kind of in between you guys on that. Um, but I think, I think what I do is uh, I, I have about 26 mini lessons at this point when you want to look at the mini lessons. And I think mainly what I've been doing for my mini lessons have really started with the standards. So um, I think I might go a little bit. I don't know if I go deeper than you. I don't think so. But, but I do think I go a little bit slower than you do. Because we had one student that went to your class, and then he came back and said, "Whoa, <laughs> that was fast! I need to, I need to, I had to come back." So we only had one that did that. Everybody else has stayed with you. Yeah. So I have had one person come back, but I think that's because he he didn't want to move at that pace. So you, I think you move your mini lessons move at a faster pace than I, mine does. Yeah, and I don't know. Just, I think it's habit. You know, it's just like yeah. I'm going to go. Yeah. Well, see, you've already talked about everything you did this week and you've already got all these podcasts. You've already done this. You've already done that. And I'm like, well, I've watched a show. I've, I did, I did do a lot of cooking. I did cook a lot, but, uh, and I can't get all that in. So I think I'm more like that with my classroom, but you've already mentioned that, that I'm more like, we're like, well, what do you need? Okay, we'll just stop for a second. We'll make sure you get everything you need. So uh, I go a little bit slower that way. I, I roll a little bit slower. Maybe sometimes too slow, but I end up getting it done eventually. I mean, I really am. Uh, I think I get it all done, but I, I cover quite a bit in that one mini lesson. So I don't know. How, maybe my mini lessons are more maxi lessons. But I try to keep them to anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes, but sometimes I go into 20. Mm -hmm. But also, I don't I worry like, about it. Well, I feel like you're, yeah, you don't, but I feel like your, your teaching style is also kind of like, you know, you, you teach and you do your mini lesson, but then like work time is an extension of the mini lesson often. And you pause and then you do this and you'll mm -hmm. like, some kid will say something and this spawns something else. And you're like, let's investigate a word. And then you go off and do this and you know, and that's just, it's True. so it's, I, I feel like you get so much more mileage where it's like, I don't know. It, it's almost like mine is 
I don't know. I, I think it's honestly, it might be a generational thing. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear if any listeners have this uh, difference with their partners or whatever, but I feel like mine's like a YouTube video, right? It's like a 15 minute in your face YouTube video going down. It's this, it's this lesson and yours is like a, a movie, a TV show. Like it's, <laughs> you know, you, you got some time where it like goes and neither of them are, I don't, I think they're, they're benefiting the, the right things oh, and, they, they do and, and I think what yeah and I think when we've looked at the data which we have because we're always comparing ourselves with each other and then some but I think we're pretty even I mean there's some areas where I score a little bit higher in some areas than you do and you score a lot higher in other areas than I do so notice I said a little for me higher and a lot higher for him so whatever you're doing I probably just need to come and watch you oh teach and figure it out so you know? for clarification I but, I, but I cannot be you I I know that. I've already tried. Never. We're, all, we're all so even. It's not even. No, we really are even. It's uh, it's the first time it's really ever been like that on our campus. Is Usually it? Is always, it really? Yeah. I mean, it's because we all we have a even like our, our student like we're pretty much uh, even in terms of student count. We're even in terms of honors and on level. We're uh, we pretty much have similar class sizes, um, give or take a class. Uh, but they, you know, it's all, it's all pretty, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's about as fair as something can be. And that's kind of what you need. If you're going to look at, if you're on a campus, that's going to look at data, right. And you're going mm-hmm. to actually use it in conversation and whatever it's, you know, it's the worst thing that happens with these conversations is if your classroom is completely different than mine. I had nothing but honors for the last two years. And so no one paid attention to me. They're like, no, it doesn't matter. He's he's going to do that anyway, despite the fact or whatever. So when I had, okay, and that that's why you know that's why I think it's it's good that what we have. But yeah, I don't know. Every the audience knows you're self depreciating. It's okay. We, we get. <laughs> oh, my mother already yelled at me for that just the other day. <laughs> She's like, "Just go to the other room. I don't have time for that." It's all I, right. It's a good counter to me. I'm too complimentary of myself. So. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know that with my with my results, I think it's more of me putting pressure on myself. I, and maybe it's kind of like you when at the beginning of of today, where you were like, "Well, I don't want to tell everybody what I have planned because then I might not get it." So I'm, you know, if I've already like told on myself or whatever, then see, I'm already golden because if the results are higher than what I expect, then hey, hey, you know, it's true success. That's true. I don't really know what drives it, but. I, I just think that's just me. Don't mean to be, but here I am. Uh, so I have, I have a question. Would you, how would you say your introducing the journals have went at the start of the year, and and how has their relationship, your students' relationship, changed with the craft book and the draft book? Was there, you know, was it hostile to start with, and now it's okay? Did it flip flop? Were they like okay now, and now they'd grown about them? Did kids lose them? I mean, what's what's kind of the the overall take of just their attitude towards the journals? I would say that I've had, as far as loss, uh, students going, "I lost it," or "I don't have it today," or something like that. Are usually the ones that when I look at their uh, scores, you know, because in our on our uh, gradebook system, we can pull up and see what they're doing in other classes, and uh, they're low in all their classes. So uh, these are kids that, you know, you're lucky just uh, that they're in your class and acting like they're 
really wanting to to do well. And I've got a few of those, very few. So I've had those, but for the most part, uh, when we rolled this out at the beginning, the kids already knew that there were going to be two journals because y'all already started it last this year. So my comparison from last year to this year, last year, um, they were, we asked for them to put two on the, on the supply list. We asked them to put the two spirals on there, but somebody changed it when it got published by the so, you know, because we send out what we want, and then I don't know what happened, but when I came back and looked at it, it only said one spiral. So then that kind of set up a problem. So I just went and bought my spirals last year. I just went and I bought them all for the kids out of my own money. And I don't typically do that, but with that faux pas that happened, because that's not what we had said, I was like, well, I've got to do the two journals because how are we going to get this done? So here it was already, the kids already were ready for the two the two journal system, if you will, the two notebooks. So, so just telling them that there were two notebooks, they were like, oh yeah, I already got them. But I had a few that didn't. So I already had some left over from last year and I just handed those out, but I didn't have to hand out very many. Most of the kids were really ready for it. So they were all like, oh yeah, we did this last year. Oh yeah, they, you know, and so, but when we set it up, uh, as we set it up, I've had several, especially in my honors classes, I want to say, but even in my on level, but as far as verbalizing their appreciation for the journal, I have some honors kids are like, look at my, look at my notebook, Ms. Ochoa, look at my craft book. It looks great, doesn't it? This is a great system. This is like the best thing that I've ever done. And I mean, they are going, I mean, I'm like, okay, can I, you know, I, I wish I could have recorded it at the time, but that's what they were saying. And so I've had several in my honors classes that would, you know, they're very proud of their books. And, uh, and so they, they talk about how it's, you know, it works for them because it, it's chronological. So they're not having to really think about it. Now I have, because of adjust, I've had to make some adjustments due to the fact that we have to have the accelerated instruction. So I wanted that to be separate from my mini lessons. So I did provide a place in the very back for that. And we're going backwards. We're going from the end, you know, uh, but I guess when they meet, we'll be done, but we'll have to do a new journal. I've got several on their draft books that they're already like, so I'm already out of room. I got to buy me another one. And so I've got that going on, but uh, they have a place to write. They have a place to, to, um, you know, take their notes and do their work and, and really work the journal. They go back into it. They, they do their extra writing, everything that we've asked them to do. And so, uh, but they they have taken to it very nicely, I think. I mean, it was not a fight at all. And even when I had some, I have had just recently, you know, because we have a very um, uh, migratory group, right? Our transient uh, school. And so I just got three kids that I had that just walked in. And uh, we, our school provides... I, I now discovered that we do have some journals uh, that I could go get. And so I went and asked if I could get them from Miss, you know, from our secretary. She knew where they were. And so I, I handed those to my kids, my new ones. And they were like, okay. And then I let the neighbors tell them how to set it up. And they were able to tell them how to set it up. And I've already looked. They've already taken pictures of it and turned it in. And I have grades for them in their journals already. And they they've only been here for maybe at the most two weeks. So how about you? 
How's it been going for you? Of course, you're you're a natural at this stuff. Well, I I mean they've been doing pretty well. I mean they some of them uh, had negative experiences last year with crafted draft uh, for a variety of reasons. Just a few of them. Um, they so they came in and like, oh my god, we gotta do this again. I'm like, yeah, but I'm one of the makers of this, so we're gonna make it better, okay? But you know, I asked them and. They were just, I don't know, it was usually when students have a bad experience, it's when it becomes this, I don't know, source of punishment or, you know, control. And it's really not, right? The whole point of the, the craft and the, the craft book specifically is have a place for to keep your model text, to keep the lessons so you can look back on them. It's literally like a living anchor chart for students. And uh, it becomes really useful once they realize, you know, why it's put together the way it is. So I, you know, I had a few that were resistant at the beginning, but for the most part, uh, kids really acclimated well to the system. Um, there was some, I had some students this year who were trying to avoid, uh, jotting down the standard, um, at the, at the, at the top, they were like, you know, trying to do this or that. And I don't mind if they shorten it a little bit, but you know, the, one of the reasons why we do that specifically for us isn't because we think that the standards should always be at the top or anything like that. It's just because one, it's, it's a kind of a district push to interact with it, but I pull a lot of my vocabulary from there. So it's almost, yeah. it's just why I kind of focus on that. That becomes my word work. It becomes all of this. And so that, that's what it was. So students, like there was some resistance with that, but otherwise, I mean, I think it's been really good glue sticks. Um, disappear all the time. I don't know. I think the kids eat them. I'm I'm almost certain they're just eating the glue <laughs> as these. Glue <laughs> well, they, I, I have found a few scissors that have uh, been glued together in my little scissor box. Yeah. So just I had to, to let you know where some of it. So going. it is what it is. I've done like to get the, <laughs> and for people that don't know, you know, I like to shrink down uh, the model text. And if the text is more than one page, sometimes I'll give them both and we'll do it a two page spread of it or something like that. Um, but we, I usually shrink it down. They glue it in. I've done glue. I've done staples. I've done tape. I've done pretty much it all. And it all has its ups and downs, right? Like, so I just kind of die on the hill of glue sticks just cause it's pretty quick and it's not that big of a deal and i've kind of got my little glue helpers and my glue picker uppers and it just kind of yeah. runs by itself but you know overall i i think the the best sign of the craft book working is when students uh they're in their writing pieces specifically they start talking about like they can actually say oh yeah that lesson right and they can say mini mm-hmm. lesson 42 or 32 or oh yeah that one piece and sometimes they can't tell me the exact number because they just don't remember but i can go oh was this inspired by this and I'm like yeah and so we go through it and sure enough they have it on there it's one of their best lessons um or it's one of their best uh, connections they've made to it and it's just a it's a really positive experience to have kind of our learning there it also reinforces um for some of my resistors for instance sometimes it's really good to sit with them and be like you know you're acting like where we haven't done this but here's literally the 20 lessons we've done around this subject so it helps me have more honest conversations with are you really paying attention are you working is there, are you just not understanding is it my fault and that's part of the craft and draft process is not just saying well kids don't know it or this kid doesn't know it so i don't know it's it's being able to 
follow it step by step and kind of be able to diagnose why a student is struggling, why isn't a concept not clicking, why did I think this was going well for a week and then we did the test next week and they bombed the, those types of questions or that concept. And uh, that's what I feel like. It's it's doing pretty well this year because we, our students, you know, for we're in Texas, people that don't know. You know, we were back last year, but it was a weird, you know, we still had online, they Mm -hmm. were here, they were at home, it was all of this other stuff. And, but there were a lot of students were really out of practice of school in reading specifically because a lot of our students don't go home and have reading lives. So last, last year we had this big, I mean, it was like, oh my God, like just looking at the data, we were just like, Lord have mercy. We have some work to do. Right. And we, and we made it happen and we, we, we made the gains we needed to. And this year we weren't really sure where they were at, but their academics have been fairly decent. Uh, when they came in, it was their behavior, um, that was off the wall. And I know I've seen people on Twitter talking about this too, or teachers just going, I don't know what's up with behavior. We, our principal just told us all of our principals met, and they were talking about behavior and there's just all of this stuff. And, you know, we obviously see that at our campus, but I got to tell you, like in terms of like the craft and draft and everything else like that, I, kids, the, the behavior stuff comes from them messing with each other. It's not driven by what we're doing content wise. Does that make sense? Cause I've done, yeah. <laughs> I've done lessons, right. Specifically like, you know, years ago when I would hand a worksheet or whatever and kids were just misbehaving because all I was doing was assigning something and walking away. But because of the nature of the mini lesson craft, the craft book and the draft book, because it's so non, there's really not a lot of pressure there other than doing it and like, you know, maintaining it. I feel like there's less behavior because of, what I'm asking them to do. And I feel like that's the, that's at least one of the the best signs because I, now I can just, because if your lesson is the reason why kids are misbehaving, that's a, I feel like that's a really big red flag you kind of have to fix. But I feel like our data shows that that's not the case, that their behavior is just their behavior because we're going through a pandemic, all kinds of their worlds are mm-hmm. turned upside down in a variety of reasons. So kids are just the way they are. Um, but yeah, I don't know that, I I don't really know where I was going with that, but it was just that's what I'm seeing is just this. I feel like they they connect to it enough. Even my resistors that we're seeing progress. It's allowing for conversations and it's being what it needs to be. It's being a guide for the workshop. So I don't know. I feel like at least on that end, it's it's doing really well. Well, and my students, the way they turn in their work um, is all through Canvas, our our learning management system. So they'll take a picture. So I'll say, I mean, I'll go around and I walk and I look and I make sure. But um, but what they have to do is they take a picture. I'll tell them which mini lessons I want. And um, anyway, they'll take a picture of those mini lessons and then turn it in. And so let's say a student is absent or whatever. Then uh, I'll say, well, I need those mini lessons turned in. And what's really neat is they can go back and find any of those mini lessons, they're there. They're already there. All their work is there. I don't even touch their work hardly other than uh, if we want to, you know, like if I want to give them feedback on that left side or, you know, I might do something like that when I sit down with them or show them something um, that that might be the case. But for the most part, their work is is theirs. And then they take a picture of it. But what's really cool is I can see that they've got their, their standard. They do all this. And what's funny the other day or a while back, I was, I didn't, 
because I'm not, I'm not as, you know, I write all over my whiteboards, right? And so uh, you have everything all in your notebook and you have it all there and you put it up, I think is what you do. And I don't always do that. And so I'm like, oh, wait, what mini lesson was this? And the kids go, oh, Miss Ochoa, it's 28. That's fine. <laughs> so, I mean, they know which mini lesson's about to be. And even in my on level, now I will tell you on the mini lessons, my honors are, have more than my on-level. My on-level does not have as many because I, ha- I feel like I-, I go slower with them. So that is something. So it might take us a while to get that skill down. So we do a lot of practice where we'll go back into it and things like that. And I don't always consider all of those many lessons uh, that they write down. So I-, I did notice that. So that's sometimes I have to go. So like on one, we might be on 22. The other one, we're like on 28. So somewhere in there. But uh so that's something that that's different that differentiates but that's one of the things that we talked about is that this the way we do this automatically differentiates for our students and so even their um the system allows for that differentiation yeah i mean and that's the one of the better parts to me is because like you know we have our mini lesson and every kid you know interacts with you know that poem that story that article but then you know when they go off and do their independent practice they're still using their craft books they're still connecting the ideas to the independent reading you know this is why this time exists you know and i've been i've been following down a rabbit hole of uh reading about like wait i did i said rabbit hole yeah just for you for yourself not for me right well i I, I feel like i'm just around you so much let that be on the record that <laughs> Mr. Chastain said he goes down a rabbit hole. Now probably messed up your rabbit hole, but keep going. That's right. Now I'm lost. No, I, ah. uh, no, I, I've been going down this rabbit hole of research on like classical education and what people think. And, you know, I, I don't know if you've read too much on it, but you know, it's kind of like this very specific way of doing things. It's very focused on very specific books, kind of the canon. I said it's always been, and the canon's fine. It is what it is, but the, what I have found so interesting is that there are massive groups of people out there who are so resistant to independent reading still and letting kids use class time to read what they want and stuff. And I just got to tell you, man, I have had so many non-readers um, or uh, dormant readers or whatever you want to call them that have found a book that they really like in my classroom. Um, I just tweeted out today that uh one of my friends he shared a thing in our group chat and he said without without a doubt captain underpants was pivotal in me becoming a reader like as as a young kid and i was like man same i read so many of those like as a kid and it was like you know one of the first book series that i just read all the time and here's the thing i have middle schoolers that read captain underpants and there's this you know there is this staunch we don't want that in our classroom. Kids shouldn't do that in school. It should be all these academics. I'm like, I hit all of that. I pull all kinds of stuff from all walks of life, from old, new classics. I pull really high level stuff. I pull low level stuff for these mini lessons. But in their independent reading time, when I want them to practice and really do this, I there I so many kids have become readers this year because of it. And, you know, it's 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 so effective affirming that I just get, it's, it's, I don't even get frustrated when I hear people resistant to the idea. I get deeply curious at like, what did you do? Like what? <laughs> it's 
like, how did you, what did you do to make you so upset about this uh, practice? And I'm always like deeply like, how did this go in your room? Why do you think it doesn't belong? Because it's just like. I just think of all the kids that wouldn't be reading if I was like, we're only going to read this book, we're going to read it together, we're going to do this, or if I just assigned it. It's like, yeah, I mean, they might fake read a little bit, but I don't know. I just, I think that's one of the the beautiful parts about just our focus, the way we do kind of the, the reading workshop side of what we do is, you know, the mini lesson is the is really the the goal, but everything we do kind of goes around the mini lesson. When I feel like my mini lessons are working the best, it's when what we're reading as a class for our mini lesson and what we're analyzing directly connects to their independent reading and their thinking and their writing. And that's how, you know, things are flowing. And it's just, I don't know, our, our philosophy in the craft book, I feel like really does shine sometimes. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's like, oh my God, why aren't things working? But a lot of the times it really does. It just kind of creates this this orb and everything just kind of circles around it. Do you see that in your head? I was trying to give you a, a mental image there. Yeah, I saw that. He was busy twirling yeah. his hand, <laughs> showing me the, you know, uh, the spiral, which I reminded me of Jerome Bruner. Sorry, but that's my geeky side of me, his spiral curriculum where everything spirals from. You're looking at me kind of funny, but Jerome Bruner, he's the guy who started Head Start. Anyway, That's so funny. Well, you say that, which that is everything like a, a, spirals up. Well, and it's like an academic uh, approach. I was like, spiral just makes me think of uh, Maynard from Tool and <laughs> the vocalist. So his name, vocalist. he has a line. It's like spiral out. Anyway, well, there you go. That's how, That's my own. background. <laughs> yeah, that song. That song is definitely about <laughs> educational practices. Of some sort. Well, but, no, I just, but you know, you're right. I see. And, and when I do my, um, you know, of course, I, I typically start out with the reading uh, this year. I change it up. I think I change it up every year. I try different things. If it doesn't work, I just go back and do whatever feels natural is what I do. But for the most part, this year I've been doing the, um, where they come in and they read and everyone saw so switch it up on them. But, uh, so, but when they read, then they have to respond. And I have a place that's one of the things I've added to the uh, craft book. So, when that's different from when I first started, and that was, you know, we have a place for their table of contents, I have a place for them to kind of just keep a reading record, and then I have a place for them to do what I call SSRR, which is reader response. And so, there I might have. After they read, they read. I don't. I don't tell them what's going to be up there. They read, and then I say, "Okay, now go back into your reading and do this." But whatever I ask them to do will be tied to the mini lesson. So then, the, so I actually have them practice it on their own before. Then I give them the mini lesson, and then we actually do it again. So that may be why I go a little bit slower. But it's kind of cool how it works, and the kids—they're just now really starting to figure out what I'm doing. You know, some of them are like, they don't really always figure it out, but you know what I'm saying? In other words, they're like, there's, it's instead of it just being a practice, but now they're starting to see the connections I've noticed because they'll even make comments. Oh, this is, this is what we were. Oh, okay. I get that. You know, this is what we did earlier, isn't it? So at first they were like, just going through the motions because I think that's what they're used to. But now they're starting to see, because we go back into it. And then when we write, guess what we're doing when they're writing? 
whatever I've asked them to look at. So if I ask them to look at imagery in their reading and I do a lesson on imagery, then we kind of practice it. We find it again and whatever I share with them for their reading, the articles you're talking about where we shrink it down and put it in there. So then they find it there. And then when they write, I say, okay, go back into your writing and find a place where you can add imagery. So it all ties together. So that's pretty much how I do my do my lessons. So I think to me that kind of spirals that whole lesson, if you will, or connects it all. Well, and you just hit on something that I think is important that I think fuels the philosophy of what we do, um, which is this, you know, a lot of students kind of go from, especially in secondary, right? They go from class to class and they're just, you know, in survival mode, right? It's like, all right, I'll do this. They just go from one thing to another. And a lot of them are like, well, if I, I can outlast this, I can outlast all of this. But I think the way that we approach workshop um, it makes that impossible because you can't outlast what we do because what we do is literally in cycles and it's going to come back and it might come mm-hmm. back tomorrow. It might come back next week. It might come back next month, you know, and there's, and it's always the same expectations and our, like my students have asked me like testing, well, you know, the, it's an English class. I'm like, you know, why do we read every day? Why do we write every day? And it's cause like, you know, we get the practice in and they might ask that and they might groan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, uh, our students, they, they get it and it becomes this habitual process. And for students who don't have a lot of, of the same things happening every day, they, they, they don't live predictable lives all the time. They don't know if they're going to, you know, have food at night or they don't know that they, if they're going to get picked up by someone today, right? They, there's all kinds of things going on. So they can come to my room and have the same expectations, but I'm holding them to high expectations of those same expectations. I feel like that's that's where a lot of this, the good of this comes from. Because even if you tweak it a little bit or change some things from day to day, or you know, flip something that isn't working, the the central process of what we're doing, you know, mini lesson, independent practice, uh, and so forth, is it's so essential to a classroom running that it's kind of hard to even think about it not. Uh, being successful at this point because it's it's like once I once they get it I feel like the class just kind of runs itself in a way you know what I mean like there's even for like oh, the yeah. chaotic classes like sometimes it's like a bomb goes off but it's like we're still moving in the general you know right direction not everything right. is perfect but I think it's that that common this is what we do every day type of thing I think it's it's powerful. Well, it is. And then, but they have a record of it. They have a written record that they've written themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Of everything that we've done. I mean, when you open up that book and you flip through it, and I would recommend, and I may do this, is pull some of these kids that are really keeping a great notebook and go back and look at it. I mean, I know that you're keeping yours, but mm-hmm. when you keep and you see what they, and then take your the kids that are at the lowest level of doing, keeping it, you know, and then just look at it. You can really get a good snapshot of what you're doing that year and your class and if they're getting it, if they're not getting it, but you have a nice record. But then another thing that I've noticed is that when these kids, they'll walk in and they'll say, oh, okay, so we're, because every once in a while with me, I might say, okay, now tomorrow we're not going to read first. 
tomorrow we'll start with writing because we might have taken too long in one area. And that's where I'm probably a little bit different than some. And I don't sweat that. I just go, okay, well then tomorrow I'll make sure they know ahead of time because if they don't know ahead of time, they kind of get like freaked out if I change the schedule. So if I let them know ahead of time, they'll come in and they'll go, I'll say, okay, I'll accidentally go because I'm in the habit of get out your books. And they'll go, no, Miss Ochoa, remember right here, it says that you're going to, so they have it all written down. They keep me to account and they say, you said, and it's right here where you said it. So they have learned that that little book kind of keeps the whole class honest, including the teacher. So they use it against me. What's up? That's so funny. I, so, uh, <laughs> While we're here, I want so I want to shift a little bit to this the draft book thing. Okay. Um, but I, I'm going to ask you. So I have I wasn't planning on this, but the conversation lends itself to this. So I did a fall, I did my end of the first semester survey with my students, and I have the results, and I think the results oh. kind of speak for how well these things work out. There, I think they're all. It's always interesting to see. Um, but before I do that, I want to jump to the draft book side. Do you, you know, every year that I feel like the draft book, um, the craft book is more school wise. It's, it's very school focused. It's the lesson. Right. It's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And the draft book becomes theirs, right? It, it's their writing. Right. It has very little to do with what we say. You know, we might write a note in there or, or do something like that, but it's always theirs. It's always, and I, so I feel like they're, their draft books are more like prized possessions to them. Um, like I've had students literally just like break into tears because they lost their draft book because they had all of their writing and stuff. So, oh yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you feel about the draft book? Do you feel like kids are are taking well, to think, it being theirs? Oh uh, yeah, I do. And I and that's where you know they're like, but Miss Ochoa, I'm not on page. 20 like everybody else is i'm on page 40 and i'm like well that's okay i mean there i've got several that have already ran out of their i mean they're having to start a new craft book a draft book excuse Mm -hmm. me everybody a draft book because they have written so much but what it does because i'm not strict i'm not restricting them to okay, between this page and this page, you have to write, or you can only write on this page, or you have to write one. I never restrict them on the amount. And what actually happens is they'll start writing and they'll have like pages of stuff, especially, again, my honors. But I have a few on-level kids that have just taken off and they're like writing their stories. They're writing this, Um, you know. Now, I know that... Well, for example, I had some, you know, I did a, I did a, a poetry anthology, right? So I stopped and did it, did a project, but they wrote their poems in their draft book. Well, I had a few of them that went, oh, I forgot my poetry notebook. I can't turn it in. And I said, all right, we'll just take pictures of your, of your poems in your book. And they had them. They had them. They're like, oh, okay, well, I can do that. And they turned out and made a digital book out of it. But they already had all their stuff. They just forgot their actual, you know, the the actual hand uh, book that they were actually creating outside of that. They lost it, but they had their their uh, draft book and were able to go back and find poems and all kinds of stuff in their draft book that they've been working on throughout the year. And they were able to put together, a, a, you know, maybe not the same quality as some of the others that had kept up with it, but. You know, there there was there's always writing. So I'm like, just turn in turn in something that you've written that you haven't turned in yet. There's always writing that that I can tell you. 
There, I some of them are like I mean some of them get become so prolific because it gets at first they're restrictive they're just trying to write what they've kind of always written and mm-hmm. trying to just get by or whatever and you know they have to slowly learn that I'm not looking for anything specific that I'm I really want them to kind of go forth and prosper and put whatever you want down and and explore your mind and society and the world and your creativity and everything else. And eventually they get there and then it's like a, a flood just happens and students just have all of this writing. So uh, we ended this semester with students turning in some amazing pieces um, uh, that are just, I mean, they're so, so phenomenal. And we, I was like, man, now, you know, now at the work of, okay, so what do you do when like you become someone that can write fairly well and the blank page is no longer the enemy and you can really conquer and pretty much put your thoughts down. Like you could write a piece a day if you wanted to, or a week, you know, what is it when you get to that level, what do you do? And so now when we come back, I feel like my whole focus on their draft books is, okay, so how do you as the writer improve, right? Really diving into, Uh you know, we've obviously talked about revision and editing and stuff like that, but you know, what does it look like to break something and move it around? You know, what does it look like to really hone in on word choice and how word choice uh, can be something that affects the whole thing and really diving into that while not uh, pushing this narrative that everything has to be revised to death, right? Like that's just... Sometimes, like uh, one of my favorite author quotes was from Dean Wesley Smith, who's like a, it's like a pulp writer. He's written like probably tons of things that all of us listening to this and have uh, read before, but he writes under pen names. He's just really prolific, just kind of, you know, writes a lot of movie books and stuff like that. But he was like the, the biggest myth that I want writers to know is he was like, you know, once you're good enough, not everything needs to be revised. You know, there's there's times when it does and there's times where you need to go back and fix things. But he's also like there's massive chunks of my books that don't ever get revised because I've been writing for 45 years and this is what I do. And now obviously our kids haven't. But, you know, not everything needs to be this lockstep approach to revision. It's more of a as the author, as the creator what is it that you need to do to make this piece better? And if you don't know, what is it that readers do readers think that it works? Do you know, do, do they get the vibe that you want from it? You know, part of the, I had this conversation last night with my slam poetry stuff. Like I'm under no illusions that I'm some like great slam poet. I have fun with it. I think it's fun. I'm modeling it because I use it a lot in my classroom and I, you know, it's a fun creative outlet for me. And I've had, you know, some people enjoy it and it's, Uh, but I was talking to someone last night and they were like, yeah, you know, I felt like this could have been a little better. And I'm like, yeah, this is why I do it. I was like, I'm not afraid to put stuff out there, kind of say this is done and then learn from it. That's kind of like my MO, right? It's kind of, it's also how I teach. It's like, I'm going to do it. I didn't work. Let's try it. But that's something I try to pass on to, uh, my students is, you know, it's, it's okay to say something's finished, but you also have to have this you know, the mentality of getting better, learning from it. Like there's some people who need to have something locked away forever and work on it forever and just keep polishing and polishing. And that's fine. Um, but there's also people that can learn by producing and just creating and then learning from that and going with it and just kind of putting out a bunch of stuff and seeing what works. And I don't know. I feel like kids want to be content creators. They want to be YouTube, uh, stars and, you know, gamers and streamers and all this. And those are like the, those are the entrepreneur entrepreneurs of, 
today, right? Like it used to be like, I want to start a business and stuff. Now kids are the business. Their, their personalities can become their business. And it's, it happens every day. Social media is this powerful thing. And so I kind of, that's feel like that's, I feel like that's something I can give them. So that's where my mind is at as I'm moving into this next semester is how do I, how do I further strengthen their desire to create and to use the class time to be productive for what they want and also teach them what they need to know, but also impart what I think is wisdom in today's age, which is don't be afraid to create, don't be afraid to put out, but also don't be afraid to really try to hone in something for a specific effect. But I don't know. I, but otherwise I think the, I think the draft, book. I mean, I think the amount that they're writing is proof that the draft book works. I mean, I just, I, I love the writing part of our class though. That's why, that's why, that's why we do what we do. Right. Well, and you know, you brought up something about the revision and things like that. And you know, that's what that left side is for. So a lot of times I'll use it and I'll say, okay, like my, my mini lesson I, might be, let's look at something specific that these authors are doing. Now, do you see that in your, the reading that you're doing? Do you see something similar? Pull that out. Let's talk about it. And then now let's try it. So go into your writing. If they've had a lot of writing, which they, now they're at the point where I can just say, pick any piece. It doesn't matter because there's a lot of pieces in there. And then on that left side, I want you to find a place on that page that you just read, that you just wrote, find a place where you can do what we just talked about. So if it's add imagery, if it's add a metaphor, if it's if it's to take something away, you know, find find words that aren't needed. So go through your piece and then on that left side, list some words that can be, take the place of them or list the words you don't need. And so then maybe there's a, a list of words you don't know, you know, there's, they're really not needed in the piece. So so I use that left side a lot of times to show them how to go into their their writing. That's what that's really what I want them to do. And I use the reading side to help them know what other authors are doing. And so I agree with you. I think I think this next semester can definitely be a place where we start focusing on on that aspect even more instead of just trying to find things to write. Let's see, you know, what do authors do? Where do you want this piece to go? Where do you want it to be published? Do you, you know, and actually I try to move them if they can to start thinking about some of their pieces to go outside of the classroom. And, uh, and I, you know, I don't, sometimes I don't make it mandatory. I have in the past sometimes done some of that where I'm like, let's find some contests that you can enter. Let's do this. So, you know, and I try to encourage them to write outside of the classroom, not just for the teacher's eyes. And so, uh, and, and I feel like that's a nice place. Another thing on that left side, what I like to do is, you know, I like to do the sharing because you mentioned that too, is what do other people feel about my piece? Does it work? Is it not working? And so I like to use that social gathering in my classroom and which was really killed last year. I mean, it was devastated last year. Um, and changed some of my teaching last year because of COVID because they wouldn't let us put them in groups. So, but now, you know, I'll put them in groups and we'll share a piece and they get to choose something out of that notebook, but then the students will give feedback. And then that's what they put on that left side feedback for that piece. So I use that left side a lot of times for that. And the kids, they, they keep those. I mean, they tape them or glue them in there and you can go through there. If you go, you know, flip through their draft book, if they let you, you'll see on that left side, there'll be some uh, post-it notes or 
note cards or strips of paper where people have commented on on their pieces, but then they can keep it in there. It gives them a place for that. And that way that writing is always theirs. So that's that's another thing I've noticed that I think the students, especially those ones that are like, I'm going to show this is like the best thing ever. And I mean, they literally have said that this year. Well, you'll see that they're really doing those things and they're doing it purely in the way that I intended it to be. And it's really working for those who are really doing it. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, it's, it's my favorite thing. I love the draft books. I have a lot of kids who have filled up theirs. Um, but here, I'm going to share my screen real quick. We're, I'm, right. I'll, we'll try to visualize this for anyone who, uh, is whatever, you know, it would be cool. We need, we really do need like a private thing where we can just have people join us for these conversations. We should set oh, okay. up. A, hey, we need a, we need a, a way to do this, but so check this out. So this is my class, uh, responses of stuff. And I kind of ask about reading and writing. Um, but it's always fun to see in a graph. So my first question was on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most, how much did you enjoy reading before my class? And overwhelmingly kids are over here, like in the ones, right? Yeah, like in the ones, like that's your highest number. Yeah. It's the biggest bar on the graph. And then I did the same thing for writing. Writing had a little bit more kind of all over the place, but the biggest bar again is on the one, right? Meaning they did not like it before my class. And then check this out. Reading. In my wow. class, liter- it literally flips the graph, right? It moves it everything sure does. <laughs> over here. There's still a few on number one. So I don't, I don't want anyone to think I'm batting 100 over here. But the <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it, it's definitely a trend up uh-huh. where the other one is kind of a, it starts out high and then kind of just stays kind of low all the uh-huh. way across the board. But this, and then one this one does up. this. Well, yeah. and then riding, check this one out. It's like boom. Oh, oh yeah, it's a true trend up. Mm-hmm. So it it literally flips. So if you have this is riding before, and it's yeah. almost all of them are kind of in the middle towards the ones, and yeah. then it's almost all of them over here towards the upper right. register. He's showing, yeah. For those of y'all who are out there, can't see what I'm seeing. He's showing a bar graph, and so a zero to fifteen, and then it it does it definitely flips. And then you have, um, I mean, you talk percentages. I mean, 32% of my class mm-hmm. is at a 10 for how much they enjoy writing. 25% are at a 10 for reading versus uh, 20%. The 30% before. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. It was, it was literally opposite before, right? It was 30% it was. hated reading, 20% hated writing. So. And that has shifted over. That's pretty yeah. cool. Well, and then this one's interesting. So I said, how many books have you finished this year? 57% said two to five. Uh, which is pretty good in my opinion. Um, I did have 10% that said zero to one. That's probably true. Uh, 22% said five to 10 and then 10% said that they had finished over 10. How many writing pieces? This one is a little bit more even. So 17%, they said they finished over 10, a very small percentage, 5%. So two students, uh, said they had finished zero to one. Um, 35% 35% 2 to 5, 42% 5 to 10, 42%, right? Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, how much That's do pretty you... Pretty amazing. Yeah. And I said, which do you like more, <laughs> like more in my class reading or writing? 77% of my students said they liked writing more. They loved writing more. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's just kind of cool to see, isn't it? Uh-huh. 
Um, oh, and then I always ask this question because I, I feel like this is important for me just in my teaching, but I always say on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most, how free do you feel to be yourself in my class? And 52.5% say that I have no ones on that. So no one doesn't feel that, but a lot of them. So it's either they're a 10 or a, an eight pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, I always do that one just because I like to share. And then this one, I said, how, how free do you feel to write about whatever you want? In my class, 62.5% said they feel as free as they possibly could be. <laughs> so, well, what that, what that tells me is they feel safe because people don't write when they don't feel safe. Right. And mm-hmm. there, there were some more questions in there, but I just wanted to show those graphs because I think it's so, uh, it's so interesting just to see, right? It's it's interesting to see the students' perceptions because it was anonymous. I didn't collect any names in that. It, I didn't collect their emails. I showed mm-hmm. them that, and I was like, just be honest. I was like, it literally doesn't do anything to not be, right? And they just did it real quick. And it's always a cool bar, and I'll do another one at the end of the year um, for like a total uh, whatever. And it, it's just nice because, honestly, I was afraid to do it this year because, I, I, because of our – some of our behavior stuff we've had this year. Like I felt like, you know, I don't know this year's it's been kind of rough a little bit. So it's been, I was almost worried. I was like, Oh no, they're going to be like, I hate writing. I'm not doing this, you know, reading. And then it did, it did good. You know, I I have some, it gave me some goals to reach for. I want to get some more of those percentages moved a little bit, but you know, in terms of just a check at a half a year, I mean, pe- for people that don't do this, you absolutely should, in my opinion. I think it's a great way um, to see what kids really believe or think and put your own questions. But I love the before my class and after my class because it's like, you know, it just shows you how literally the all the bars on reading and writing were towards the low end before my yeah, class. Yeah, that's, that's a negative a relationship with reading and writing before they even come to my room. And I guarantee you kids across America have the same problems and that's what we battle. This is why we try to do what we do and try to create environments that welcome kids that they want to be in and be safe. Like you said, is because it literally changes how they think about reading and writing. Forget your class for a minute. If you can get their relationship with reading and writing to be better by the time they're done with you, then you've done your job, in my opinion, especially for the really struggling ones. If you can just get them orientated or or their orientation correct with this stuff, now they're on a path to where they're less resistant and more master teachers that they come into contact with will have an easier time filling in those gaps, supporting them what they need. And then you have kids that do wonderful with years down the line. You might not see it, but someone's going to see it. Well, and and definitely... It's proven that reading and writing and the ability to do that changes lives. So that's what you're doing. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Crafted Draft Podcast. Pam dropping the wisdom bomb right at the end. That's Pam Ochoam, Jacob Chastain. We are two Texas teachers down here in the state of Texas talking about reading and writing, workshop, and everything in between. If you want to submit a question to get answered on the podcast, you can submit it at the Submit a Question button at craftanddraftworkshop.com. You can also find us on the Facebook page, which we should post two more, but we just haven't. I have too many social medias. I'm about to just charge Pam with that because I have too many. <gasps> (gasps) any of these things that was my idea no i'm just kidding um i uh but 
So uh, we would love to interact with you guys. If you enjoy this podcast, hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. I hope you guys have a great break. Hopefully you are having a happy new year. I love happy new years. Christmas is great. I love the feeling of happy new years, the beginning of things, right? It's the, it's like, man, I really sucked. I get to be better. It's the ultimate restart for procrastinators. So, it, you know, it's this time of year. It does. It's, it inspires me to like, all right, these are my goals is what I need to do. So hopefully you're feeling the vibes. Like I am. Uh, thank you guys for listening, even on break and staying with us. We absolutely uh, couldn't do this without you. Literally, we would just be talking to each other. And who wants that? Right. We got to have friends. You got to have friends. Right. Anyway, y'all have a good one later. Now that we are here for you.